Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of SERP Podcasts. In today's episode, we'll be featuring one of the oldest and largest research projects at SERP, the Women's Mobility Project. The project aims to quantify the impact of social norms on women's participation in the public sphere, including in the labor force and test whether basic interventions can expand the scope of opportunities available to women. My name is Aliha Shahid. I'm the program manager for the Women's Mobility Project at SERP, and I'll be moderating this, this discussion today. Joining me today are Dr. Kate Piberni and Sayed Uzair Janeer. Uzair, like myself, is also the program manager for the project and will be talking to us today about the sorts of challenges associated with implementing a research project of this scale and nature. Kate is the principal investigator for the Women's Mobility Program and is also the associate director of DevLab at, at Duke. Uzair and Kate, thank you so much for taking our time for today's episode of SERP Podcasts. Kate and Uzair, uh, the three of us have been working on this project for around five years now. I remember that when the project started out, we were doing one RCT that aimed to measure the impact of transport and gender-related outcomes. Um, in particular, we were focused on studying female labor force participation and the impact of transport on that. Um, that's still something we're studying even now, but the scale and scope of the tool, and now we're doing multiple different studies related to gender and the labor economy under the banner of the Women's Mobility Program. Um, so Kate, my, my first question is uh, directed towards you. Uh, I know that this expansion of the project has largely, uh, which is uh, a measurement tool, so to speak, uh, that we came up with for data collection for the original transport RCD. Can you speak to us today about uh, the Job the Lash platform uh, and how it's enabled the evolution of the program? Uh, and what are the sorts of new experiments that we're doing using data collected from this platform? So thank you so much, Aliha, and uh, thanks to Serp for, for doing this podcast series. Um, as Aliha, as you said, we did start the program at, with uh, one primary research interest in mind some years back, which is to understand to what extent w uh, safe movement around the city is a constraint on women's labor force participation. So there's a lot of uh, descriptive evidence that kind of points in that direction, um, but relatively limited evidence that would really allow us to pinpoint and say, if women could move around more safely, that would give them better access. So the original idea was to offer uh, safe transport to a treatment group as part of a, a pilot in a randomized control trial whether or not women are more likely to work as part of a survey, a sort of a standard survey approach. But what we realized is there were a number of things that made that challenging. And in particular, it was difficult to know whether a given person would find or she would know where is the location of a job opportunity and does the transport take her there or not. So there was a lot of kind of noise that would make it difficult to see the impact of the, the transport treatment on women's labor force participation decisions. So what we decided to do instead was to measure more directly by, by information about job opportunities. And that evolved into a job search that we run as part of a program called Job to Lash. So in that service, we match employers who are interested in hiring with candidates who have the qualifications for the jobs that they're po that are posted. And then we 
are forwarding the CVs for those candidates to the to the employers. So that means that we're generating a lot of administrative data, which tells directly for each person at each job opportunity they saw, did they decide to apply to that job or not? And so we use to look at the impact of the transfer on men's and women's decisions to apply to jobs. But we also uh, realized since setting up this whole system that this provides us a lot of opportunity to do further investigation on a range of different labor market issues related to the causes of unemployment and uh, the reasons why employers and candidates primarily search through their social network as opposed to on a broader labor market and what, what kind of implications that has for economic growth and for equality of opportunity. So we now have several different research projects that investigate, uh, investigate those issues. So one example, I, I just mentioned a second ago about the fact that you know, in the survey data from, from our setting, but also from um, many other contexts that, that most employers ser don't search by posting an ad in the newspaper, or on the internet, they're most likely to serve for candidates by just asking around in their social network. There could be a lot of different reasons for that, and there, there is uh, kind of a body of research that investigates why that's the case. Um, but one of many reasons for it could be the fact that employers don't know when they get a candidate that, that's unknown to them, that's outside of their social network, they don't know whether that candidate is really quali qualified or, as he or she says. So they would like to know about uh, you know, re reviews from supervisors. They would like to get that kind of information. They get it right now in the status quo through their social network, through their contacts, the kind of an informed opinion about the candidate's ability. And so uh, what we're doing as part of uh, like an additional study through job is just to test whether giving references, doing reference checking on candidates um, leads to, it allows employers to uh, hire more through our platform and uh, potentially substitute away from just hiring through their social network. And that could be really important for women because women generally have a more limited network of professional contacts than that, uh, the, the, that a lot of the women that they know have, um, uh, might not be working. So it can, it, it could, intervention like this could potentially help to uh, reduce the kind of break open access to, to employment that's currently kind of locked up in an old boys network, so to speak. So, so that's one of the projects that we're working on currently that's, that's currently underway, but as I said, there's several different ones with different, that are investigating different aspects of the labor market and um, opportunities in Lahore. Thank you so much, Kate. That was a very comprehensive explanation, not just of the program, but also the very exciting new directions it's taking. Um, so I, I know that the research is currently underway and it is expected to continue sometime, you know, over the next year, year and a half. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm sure the, the findings uh, aren't uh, published yet uh, and they're at a very preliminary stage. But um, having said that, uh, are there any um, two or three uh, insights or findings from this particular project that you've come across over the course of uh, you know, these last few years that really stand out for you and you'd maybe like to share with us today? Sure. Um, so the, the, the project on safe mobility is the first 
project that we initiated, as we discussed earlier. Um, and so that's that's the project that has kind of advanced the furthest in terms of under in terms of seeing results. We are still working on it, and so we don't have a paper out yet, but we hope to soon. Um, so what we've seen in some of the preliminary results is that women do indeed respond to an offer of safe transport. That safe the offer of safe transport can increase their their application rates very substantially and that we don't see a kind of a similar response among men, uh, which, which makes sense and is kind of in line with, I think, what a lot of bunnies and, and people who live here in Lahore uh, have experienced directly, that, it's, it, that this of, of security um, in getting to and from work is something that affects women a lot and, and affects men much less so, given social norms that constrain uh, constrain women's movement as well as uh, reduce the, the acceptability of, of for women to say move around on a motorbike or, or move solo in a so we're currently trying to understand more about how that affects kind of the scope of, of job opportunities that they apply to as well as to uh, separate out uh, different aspects of this, how much of this is related to uh, safety versus how much of this is related to norms that say that you know a woman should sort of shouldn't be uh it shouldn't be seen to be moving around solo due to uh the perceptions about her how that reflects on her character so so that work is still ongoing but i think what we've seen so far does suggest that this aspect of safe mobility is something that's very important for women in terms of accessing job opportunities That sounds really interesting, Kate. Thank you for that answer. Uzair, um, my next question is for you. Um, you and I have both been involved in the day-to-day -day implementation of the project, and I, I know it's come with a lot of roadblocks and challenges. And uh, personally, for me, one of the biggest challenges uh, that I've witnessed um, during my time at the project is with regards to getting response rates up. And this has been um, on the side of both job the last subscribers, but also on the side of uh, firms. Uh, for instance, uh, simple problems like, uh, you know, getting the candidates to show up to schedule interviews uh, or getting firms to provide candidate feedback. Uh, uh, so that, that's that been pretty tough. Um, I uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about what your experience has been of these challenges and, and, uh, and how the project is trying to sort of cope with uh, these issues? Uh, thank you, Aliha, and uh, thank you, sir, for doing this podcast. Um, so you're right, Aliha, that um, this there have been a lot of challenges, and I think some of them stem from the fact that we are not only are we looking at um, trying to study the impact of uh, certain interventions, but we are also implementing those interventions ourselves. And so uh, it's a double-edged sword. It helps us understand the entire process in a, in a great way, in a lot more detail. But at the same time, we also have to then think about the, the hurdles that we face during that uh, implementation. So you rightly pointed out that one major thing that we saw uh, during the course of our research was that job seekers would not show up to interviews. Uh, that has happened, I think, to some extent, uh, everyone expects this uh, to happen in any labor market, but maybe the ex uh, it wasn't as uh, we weren't expecting it to be so prevalent. So we would get uh, feedback from employers that even after we facilitated 
people looking for a job, then we match them to uh, employers, they would still say that job seekers don't show up for interviews. And so uh, I would say that this is, this is both an insight as well as a challenge for us. It's an insight because we weren't expecting this to be a, uh, that big of a problem. And um, I guess the expectation was that people would just know that uh, they would, once they confirm their interest in a job, they would show up if the employer called them. Um, but And it's a challenge because if this is happening and if this has happened, it's very prevalent. And this also has an impact on our research because it's important for our research to also understand what happens after uh, an employer and a job seeker is matched. So whether or not the employer interviews that person, how is that person rated? Whether or not the person is shortlisted in the first place, eventually with whether the person actually gets a job or not. So uh, I think in the project we've been, we've been good at um, finding lemons and making lemonade overall. So what we try to do is to study this. Uh, why is this happening? Um, so we have, uh, as you know, we have a few new experiments that are geared towards understanding exactly that. What happens after the employers are told about candidates who are interested in that job? And so although we, we already are capturing some data, and we have been doing that for some time by getting feedback from employers about what they thought about the candidates. But these additional experiments enable us to, to develop a deeper understanding of the entire process. And so now we facilitate uh, in certain experiments, we facilitate those candidates every step of the way. So uh, showing up to interviews, seeing how the interviews went. Um, this also involves uh, the aspect of exploring whether transport to interviews, whether that's an issue for people or not. So. Um, that's again that's something that we are exploring um, as part of this uh, thank you so much Azair, for your answer and I uh, I completely agree with you starting out with this project um, when when we started getting uh, you know results from the sort of data collection we were doing I was also very surprised uh, about the sort of uh, low response rates uh, especially in terms of people showing up for interviews because intuitively that's something that you expect people would uh, be very uh, eager to do or would be really proactive in accomplishing. But uh, I think the biggest learning for me on this project has been how much of a nudge uh, people require at, at each step of the job application process. Uh, this whole true in terms of uh, they have when we provide them a job ad and then actually like taking the effort to uh, call us and we're just interested in that job ad um, to the stage where you know they have been invited to an interview and and them showing this sort of inertia to actually make it to the interview uh, but um, I mean exciting times coming up because we're uh, now doing further RCTs within this RCT to understand why that's happening so uh, for instance if uh, women are not showing up to scheduled interviews uh, could that maybe be because um, you know the, we circle back to the original argument could that be because they have transport issues and so we're trying to test out that if we provide transport to women to be able to get to these interviews, uh, would that make a difference? Um, and similarly, the same with like uh, people applying for uh, job ads. Um, we're, we're trying to 
study whether it makes a difference whether we sort of nudge them into applying by constantly sort of pestering them and getting back to them okay this is the job ad you want to apply or whether you just sort of leave it to them to uh, to call you and apply so um, i think it's uh, it's the project is going in a lot of uh, exciting directions and uh, thank you uh, for taking out uh, the time to talk about it